Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly life transitions podcast, where we share the stories and experiences of professionals that help families create a new path for themselves. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about transitioning your life through relationship separation, starting a new career, having babies, and many other life transitions. Find out more at mycleanbreak.ca. Here are your hosts, Darren and Tina. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Clean Break, the podcast. I'm Darren Javag, and as always, we have a very, very exciting show for you today. Uh, a, a young lady, Melissa Lafreniere, correct? Did I get that right, That's Melissa? That's correct. You did. You sure did. Yep. Awesome. Now, <laughs> Melissa's been on the show quite a few times. In the past, she's talked about uh, mainly about separation and divorce. But you know what? Now that we have a new theme and mycleanbreak.ca is now really about transitions and life transitions, um, you know, we're having her back on the show and we're talking about another topic. And Melissa actually presented on this topic to a group of professionals not too long ago. And I was absolutely intrigued and just loved all the information and contact, content that she provided. And the topic was how to work with a jerk, right? Yep. That's how you do it. Sure okay. Yep. All right. So Melissa, before we get started, let's just introduce everybody to who you are and what you do. So you are a child family therapist, right? And a family communication specialist, I guess you'd call it, right? Okay. So you help people communicate. Yes. So I have been turning in the world of divorce for a really long time, and in particularly with high conflict families. And that's something that comes up a lot is breakdown of communication and how do you work with someone that you don't particularly enjoy interacting with and I think that happens everywhere in life right it's well, not absolutely. just related and, to and, your immediate family and that's why I wanted you to on the show because I thought you know what this is probably super like this is not a, a, a niche topic like this I think everybody goes through their life mm-hmm. and has somebody that they're dealing with or multiple people that they deal with mm-hmm. that seem to us like huge jerks right? Totally and, totally. and sometimes, you know, you try to avoid them, right? Because you see the headlights on the highway and you're like, oh God, I'm getting, I'm getting off that yeah. road. But then, yeah. you know, sometimes you can't, you can't avoid it. You have to mm-hmm. deal with people who are just really difficult to deal with. They want it their mm-hmm. way. They're just not being accommodating. They're just jerks, right? And how mm-hmm. they, how they present themselves. So totally. I want, so please take it away. I want you to tell us okay. a little bit more about how do you work with a jerk? How do you work with a jerk? Okay, so um, start with a bit of labels, but then we're going to quickly move from them because I don't like to pathologize things and, you know, a a jerk is a person. So how do we work with a jerk? Or in other words, how do we work with people who elicit negative emotions in us? You know, we're, we're typically responsible for our own choices and our reactions and our behavior. And people we interact with bring out different feelings. Sometimes you can have a fantastic experience. Sometimes you can have a really poor experience. And really at the end of the day, it's about how you react to those things. So in this presentation or in this conversation, we're going to go through some of a little bit of the science about it and then some strategies and and just hopefully some insight for who's listening as to how they can cope better with difficult people. So Who are the jerks, right? Why do they affect us so much and what can we do about it? I'm hoping those are the three big takeaways from our conversation today. And uh, hopefully you can put some things into practice. So what makes a jerk? I think that's a really great question. So um, personalities that are too similar to us sometimes rub us the wrong way. People who are completely different than us sometimes rub us the wrong way. And then there's a group of people that, you know, unfortunately do experience more 
disordered personality tendencies and those are the people who are extremely challenging and maybe these strategies and approaches may not be completely appropriate for those um, personality disorders per se but for the average person I think I think these probably be pretty helpful to you okay yeah. so yeah so who are the jerks in our life they can be family members, they can be friends, they can be coworkers, management sometimes gets a bad rap for being jerks, authority figures in general, right? So it really, it's anybody, anybody that you come into contact with could be, end up being a bit on the jerk side. Um, so one thing to consider, and it's a bit abstract of a, of a concept is all events are neutral and we as individuals apply significance to them. So William Shakespeare had a great quote, and that says that there's nothing that is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So why I really like that is because we're in control of what we think of that other person, mm -hmm. you know? So, which is also why, you know, I might meet someone and think they're awesome. And, you know, Darren, you might meet the same person and be like, wow, I actually never want to talk to that person again, right? <laughs> so so it, it's, I mean, it's very, very subjective based on your experiences and how you view that person and where they intersect with your personality in general. Right. So um, there's a great, a great meme online. I suggest everyone look it up. I personally think it's hilarious. And if I was able to share my screen, I would do it. Um, but it's about, talks about perspective. And in the meme, there's a giraffe drawing a lion. And, you know, the, the quote is, you might think you're a lion, right? Because you're looking in the mirror and you just see the lion piece of you. Um, but if you were to overlook the lion's body shape from a, a giraffe's perspective, you might actually look like something very different. So I would encourage everyone to go check that out. It's very okay. easy to find. Um, giraffe lion perspective meme. And I hope it brings a smile to your day. Okay. Um, yeah. So. And I think Darren saw it. Like, did you, how did you? Feel I did. I did. So you know what? This is this is a PG slash. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say R rated, but like, feel free to like express yeah. whatever it is you want. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a PG thing. I I don't want to use adult words in case there's children listening in the car, okay. but it is definitely <laughs> worth taking a peek on if you. I think if you have a pretty good sense of humor. So okay. Okay, so moving into the idea of like, why do people impact us the way that they do? And as I mentioned earlier, you know, their personalities are too similar. Um, so they're, they're rubbing us the wrong way because it's things that, you know, maybe we don't like too much about ourselves that is being shown to us, or it's people that behave in a way that is completely foreign to us and we just cannot relate to them at all. And in therapy, they call another, um, another concept is transference and countertransference, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, but before I do that, just a fun fact that also talks a little bit about, you know, why people set us off is from a brain structure wise, we all have mirror neurons and those are, those are what um, allows people to yawn, for example, like, you know, if, if I'm yawning and you're watching me and then you start to yawn, I don't know if you've had that experience. Oh, those are our yeah. yeah, those are our mirror neurons connecting. Um, okay. It's also why, you know, sometimes if you're engaging with someone and, and you're really driving, you know, and they cross their arms, you might cross their arms or you start to position yourself in a different way. Well, those are our mirror neurons. Huh. And that, that helps us connect with people. But they're also there to alert us to friend or foe. So we have mirror neurons and we have a limbic system. And our limbic systems are, again, in, the, in our brains, and that's what alerts us to, oh, this person's really cool. Let's be friends. Or like, whoa, 
I don't know about this person. I think you should stay away from them. Um, and that is that happens to us before we even acknowledge it. And like it, it happens in a split second. So it's it's why you can interact with someone and, and feel energized. And it's also why you can interact with someone and feel really depleted. It's because your limbic systems have already like cross communicated really quickly and decided, yep, we're good or no, we're not good. Um, and, and so that's something that is at play for sure when we're interacting with difficult people. Okay. Okay. Any questions about that at all? Like as I'm clipping along? No, I think, you know, I, I think it sounds like you're talking about your gut more or less, you know, like the almost, it's almost it like is. that gut feeling that you get when you start talking to someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is an excellent point because there's a lot of research out there right now that talks about how the gut is the second brain and, you know, oh, yes. all of our neurotransmitters are actually made in our small intestines. And so that the brain gut connection is super, super strong. So when you huh. get that gut feeling, it is your limbic system being like, Hmm, I don't know about this thing. Um, and, and a I mean, that is, that is why we get a lot of like really so it's physiological. It's, it's almost, it's, it's physical as well as just being a saying, like people have that, yeah. son, that saying go with your gut. There's actually a yeah. physical reason for why they say that. Absolutely. And it <laughs> travels along, it travels along your nerve system and then connects to your brain and then your brain sort of deciphers what it means. But a lot of people um, will ignore their gut feeling and then proceed into something and try to think themselves out of how they feel. But I feel like that might be a completely different podcast. Um, okay. but, when right. it, but when it comes to um, interacting with someone, that limbic system and your mirror neurons are like, have already decided how you feel about that person before potentially sometimes you've even opened their mouth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's, so it's really, I think, it's, I think it's really fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, yes. It really is. So, I mean, that, that is at play. So when you get a feeling about somebody, you know, being aware, like, okay, is this, what, why don't I like this person? What is this person bringing up for me? Um, when your limbic system is sort of alerting you that maybe you need to be a little bit more careful mm -hmm. around, around someone. Okay. Um, so that's something to consider. The other thing to really keep in mind is the role of people's personalities and how they intersect, in my opinion, is, is primarily responsible for how we feel about someone and the best way of, of figuring out how to work or manage or interact with these people, with people that, that bother us. So um, there's a great uh, quiz online. I'm pretty sure it's free. There might be like a really small charge to it called the DISC and it's the DISC personality assessment and lots of corporations use it to kind of get an idea of management style and, and how their how their workers function. Okay. Um, but in, in the DISC, there are four different personality types. So you have dominant personality, you have conscientious, you have um, intuitive or influential, and you have steadfast. So for example, in the D section, so in the dominant, you would have people who are you know, maybe like, like things the way that they like them, right? They come off pretty, pretty strong and they like to dominate and control things. Um, in the I, the influence section, you would have people who really want to be liked and play off personality and try to like make um, relational connections first. And that's how they, they kind of navigate the world. Mm -hmm. The steadfast people are the people who rarely find themselves in a lot of conflict. Those are the people who might, you know, agree to things that they don't necessarily want to do they're they're a little bit more humble they're easier to lead um and then the conscientious people are like extremely detail oriented 
So, mm. you know, and if you, and everybody has a little bit of each. Um, I was going to say like, like, yeah, it's hard <laughs> not to have a little bit of some of those, right? It is, but, <clears throat> but the way that the wheel is set up, for example, is you've got D and S being opposite. So dominant and steadfast personalities are opposite to each other. And you have conscientious and influence opposite of each other. And so why that's important is because the influential people who are trying to like get people to like you and maybe they're a little bit more like outgoing to a conscientious person that might seem very flighty or unreliable or disingenuous, right? Because they are very much into the detail of things. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, so in the wheel, the, you know, the thing that's besides that touch, for example, so dominant and conscientious, they, they share a border, basically, mm -hmm. um, people who are conscientious and dominant tend to be like very, you know, very, very responsible, probably great leaders, excellent managers, but very by the book, very like tickety boo, um, not a lot of room for, you know, mistakes in some cases. And then the people who are influential and dominant can sometimes be very super fun until there's a problem and then maybe they're a little bit more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And then the steadfast and influential, you know, are, are fun, but very follower-like. Mm -hmm. um, and then the conscientious and steadfast would be, you know, probably the easiest of the personalities in terms of you know, we're going to make sure everything's done correctly and we're not going to rock the boat. So in terms of like working with someone, probably like, you know, I don't want to say ideal, but, you know, easier than if you're dealing with dominant. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you don't want so, to put a negative connotation to it, but what you're saying is, is that, you know, like some people will toe the line easier than others. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And the more, the more you are on the spectrum towards each, like the D, the I, the S, the C, for example, the, the stronger that personality trait is. Okay. So for example, I've done the disc. I'm an I first. I'm a big I and probably little D, right? So I work best with people who are lively and fun and my mirror neurons are like, yes, we're going to be friends. And I probably rely on that a lot more because I'm not extremely conscientious, right? Like I might miss details, but right. I'm like, no, it's fine because we're friends. And, and that's why people will tolerate <laughs> that, right? So understanding who you are and what your strengths are, and then having a, enough understanding to be able to identify some of the traits that you see in other people and how they intersect with you um, tends to help a lot, tends okay. to help a lot. So, so for example, if I know that I'm influential, I, I try to use my influence um, and when that doesn't work, I might become a little bit more dominant. Um, I know that I'm going to struggle if somebody is very conscientious and wants to slow the whole process down and wants to think about everything. I might be like, can we move this along a little bit? And I might think that person's a jerk, but really they're, they're just being extremely detail oriented and conscientious and probably a lovely person, but they're just different than me. Right. So understand, understanding where those intersect, I think is really helpful. Like I know it's helped me a lot. Um, when, when working with people that, you know, that are different than me mm -hmm. okay. you know, and the flip, yeah, the flip side to that also is that, you know, two people who are the same, so two highly dominant people, there's going to be a jockey for position there. And, and the, it is likely that they will think that they're both jerks because <laughs> there's, they're both trying to like be in charge. Right. Right. Um, I got it. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you, like yeah. you're, you're creating a pot, you're creating an episode right now. I'm going to have to share with some people. 
okay, we'll do it. But like the steady, the steady person is the type that would be like, okay, no problem. Okay. okay. You know? And so, so, you know, those people I think would probably be the most impacted by all the different types of personalities, just because they're, depending on what the, what the percentage is, you know, of, of their influence and their, their conscientiousness, um, you know, they, they might be the ones that are left with, to deal with all the personalities and nobody really expects them to feel any different, like any kind of way about it. Right. Okay. So, so why I talk about this is because if we go back to the idea that everything is neutral and we attach significance to it is like, we are deciding if that person bothers us or if they're a jerk or if there's something up with them based on how they're connecting and intersecting with us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think it's really interesting. Um, and I've noticed that when you, when you kind of explain some of this to people, they're like, Oh, okay. I understand. So to navigate a dominant person, I would need to do these things to make that go a little bit more smoothly or to, you know, work with somebody who's going to want to like chit chat for 20 minutes before you actually get down to business is, is going to take a different set of skills. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So we'll, we're going to get into that a little bit in, like, in a couple of minutes, but just as an introduction to the different types of personalities and, and how they intersect with us, I think is really helpful in, in just managing your expectations of that person. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So before I had mentioned the idea of like transference and counter transference, which is, which in therapy is, it's a thing. Um, but what it really, really means is, you know, transference is I'm associating my experience with a past experience or a relationship. So this person, you know, you might remind me of someone that I know, for example, and maybe I had a fantastic experience with this person. So automatically you're going to be awesome because Darren reminds me of this person. But if you didn't, and you reminded me of someone I didn't like very much, you know, that would be like, oh, Darren, that guy. Yeah, that, that guy. guy. <laughs> right. And so that is something to also be aware of. Okay. And then counter transference is when I'm projecting meaning onto somebody else. Right. Okay. So, so that could be like, you know, I'm, I'm associating your feelings to mean something different. Like I'm putting something on you, whereas the other person is putting something on you in, in the transference. Okay. It's a little bit hard to explain, but what it really know. boils down to is that you're probably being set off by somebody in your past that this person reminds you of. Okay. Okay. And what I've noticed is that I'll speak for myself. I tend to have the same type of conflict with the same type of person. Um, and, and yeah, some people impact me more than other people do. And, and if I really sat down and thought about it, I might be able to pin that to something that happened way before, you know, way before now. And, and so what I encourage people to do is if someone in particular is really pressing their buttons to sit down and think about it, like when, okay, why do I feel this way? What does this feel like? When, when have I noticed this feeling before? And can I link that back to a primary experience where perhaps that, that feeling got programmed? And now every time I run into this type of person, um, I'm being kind of reignited that way. Triggered. Right. Triggered, yeah. Yes. I, I like to use the word, I, I, I try to use the word like evoke or like elicit because it's like nothing's happening to you. It's waking up a feeling that right. was there before. You okay. Know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And, and for me, I know it's probably more the dominant and conscientious type of personality because my brain doesn't bend that way that it's like, Oh, if I, if I forget something or if I miss something, I might, that person may not like me or I may might get in trouble or there might be repercussion. Right. And that, that could have stemmed from forever ago, you know, maybe at school, like who knows where that would have come from. But I, I encourage people to think about that if they're being set off by the same type of person repeatedly mm-hmm. and, and that so, tends to happen so would they like once they've identified that would mm-hmm. they would they then just try to make themselves be more conscious about the people they're around so they can identify you know like that this person is typically like this yeah yeah okay so i think i think it's like naming it right oh okay <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna name it and then i'm gonna understand it a little bit and then i'm gonna be able to slow my body down because it is it is a, a fight or flight reaction that gets triggered when we deal with difficult people right um, and and that you know they, they can call that fight or flight they can call it trauma response the yep. way that your body reacts when it feels like it's under threat and difficult people make us feel like we're under threat and yes. you know we can fight against that we can confront that behavior we can try to avoid it we can try to appease the person um, or, you know, we freeze, like we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding the type of people that trigger, like that evoke those feelings, mm-hmm. step one, and then identifying, okay, how do I typically respond? Do I, you know, to use your analogy earlier, do I try to veer off the highway and avoid the oncoming traffic completely? Or do I go to this person and say, hey, I think we have a bit of a problem. You know, can we talk about this? Okay. Um, and so okay. understanding how you manage that response is probably step two. Okay, let's do it. I'm, yeah, I'm, so I'm hooked. Two. I'm hooked. You got me hooked. You're hooked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And so what's interesting is people will say, well, I actually avoid conflict. I don't, I don't get into conflict, right? Um, which isn't true because the minute you have that feeling of like, hey, I think there's a problem here. Or I don't like that person. You are in a conflict. Just the other person doesn't know it yet. And so, you know, you're feeling this way about a a situation or a person and your body's and your, your whole self is responding in the way that you do to protect yourself, like as your trauma response. And that person may not even know that there's a problem, right? Depending on what your response is. Um, But the minute you feel like there's a thing happening, you are in a conflict and that is going to impact your interaction. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, we name it to tame it and how are we going to deal with this right so now we know that there's a problem we're aware the dominant type personalities we're going to ask me a million questions and have wanted this you know a report for example yesterday and it has to be perfect and maybe that's not your you know maybe that's not yeah. your skill set or they so, gaslight you or they gaslight you yeah that's another <laughs> one that's another one where you're like okay <laughs> so yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, you're, you're making me go back in my own past where I'm starting to identify things. That I so, I mean, I don't want to turn this into your personal. No, no, that's there, good. But... Send me the bill at the end of the podcast. Okay. Yeah. But, but if you think about, you know, that idea of gaslighting, of someone's trying to tell you that what you experience as true is not true, you know, like, what does that do for a person? You know, and I'll use you as, a, as an example, like, what feeling does that bring up for you? Gaslighting, you mean? Well, yeah. It, yeah. It, the, well, the, it, it's, it's like you're hijacked. Like you, you, haven't, right. you haven't been given enough time to prepare, you mm-hmm. know, for a, a, um, a respectful conversation. 
right? Totally. I think that's that's what I've always, like, I haven't had many situations in my life where I've, I've gone through that, but there are specific ones that I remember clearly. And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like, when you, you want to be able to walk into a situation with a clear mind, with a clear understanding of the conversation and be respectful of each other. Mm-hmm. And when somebody does something like that, that to me is the fight or flight. Like I just, my dukes go yeah. up because I'm just like, this totally. isn't fair, right? I yeah. feel like I have to defend myself. So yeah. 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 And that feeling of fairness when we're, when we're interacting with a, you know, quote unquote jerk, like that comes up a lot because we walk away feeling like, okay, what well, that wasn't fair. That wasn't cool. Like, why is this person interacting with me this way? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or why am I left feeling this way after interacting with this person? And I actually prefer the, the latter of what I just said versus the former, because it takes, it takes you out of like a victim role. Right. So right. instead of saying, you know, why is this person treating me this way? Or like, why is this happening to me? If, if you think of it more as like, okay, what can I learn from this experience? What is this experience trying to teach me about myself? A, eh? and, and, you know, how come I feel this way when I interact with this person or people right. like this person? Right. Um, yeah. And maybe, and maybe it actually, and it, well, I know from my own experience, I find once you identify, once I've identified that is in for future discussions is I try to prepare myself for mm-hmm. it so that I don't feel that fight or flight. I say, you know, like I'll, I'll mm-hmm. ask a lot of probing questions mm-hmm. and be curious about what it is that I'm coming into, you know, totally. and, and I'll slow the process down. So I know for me, I always felt like I had to get there and get into the conversation because it was mm-hmm. important, right? Which not yeah. that it's not, but I think sometimes I, from those experiences, I've reminded myself that it's okay to slow down, mm-hmm. be curious, yep. ask questions and prepare, because if they're mm-hmm. not going to allow me to prepare, then I need to prepare mm-hmm. myself. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the other thing that I want to mention about that is if we can link back to when, when we notice those like niggly feelings and maybe we trace it back to like school, let's pretend it started at school. Um, you know, you can ask yourself, okay, do I need to respond this way anymore? Like, I'm not seven, I'm, you know, however old you are. And do I need to be afraid of or shrink from or, you know, react this way? Now Mm -hmm. that I'm not, I'm not, I don't need that response anymore. So I I think, like, to your point, slowing your reaction down and giving it some thought, hard to do in the moment, but definitely Mm -hmm. encourage people to do, you know, pre or post experience. Um, to try to organize their feelings on, on what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and point. I love that you said about curiosity, because um, how do you deal with the conflict of someone is you, you put down your assumptions. Um, a lot of people don't like to have assumptions made about them. And if we, re- if we approach people with genuine curiosity and we minimize our defensiveness, then we're actually opening the door for a productive conversation. I always encourage people like to seek to understand what happened. And if, and if you can't do it with that person, try to do it with, you know, offline with somebody else to be like, mm-hmm. okay, like, can we talk about this? Like I'm, I'm having a feeling about it and, you know, I want to try to understand it better so that the next time I interact with someone like this or this person that I'm not duplicating the same experience. Mm-hmm. You want to communicate with people and communication is 80% nonverbal. So okay. Yeah, it's and and like how you say things mean everything. So if I said to you, you know, Darren, I really like your shirt, right? You might think like, oh, thanks, right? But if I said, Darren, I really like your shirt, like you might think like, what's wrong with my shirt? So how you say things and and how you posture yourself um, says a lot more than what you actually say. 
So that is yeah. also something to keep in I, mind. I, I agree with you. I think there was actually a commercial on TV a while back from, I think it was Canadian Tire, where mm. they would, they had somebody where they would, or it, it might have been a radio show, sorry. And they were talking about how it's interpreted when you say something like that. So somebody would say, would walk in the room and like there, there's two people talking and then they go, oh, oh my God, you painted the room. Right. Yes, and then, yes. and then someone else comes in and like, and they rephrase the exact same words. And the person says, oh my God, you painted the room. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know I mean? totally. I actually love that commercial, but um, it, that's exactly it. Right. So how you're saying things in, is, is going to be much louder than the words that you use and True. what your body is saying um, is going to be like actions speak louder than words. Right. Yeah. Um, and why that's a thing is where we spend the first couple years of our lives nonverbal. So our limbic system and our that's what's gathering all of our information. And that system just doesn't disappear. Um, mm. So before we had language, that's how we navigated our environments. And that sense is very strong. Um, and a lot of times you can walk into a room and be like, okay, this is just doesn't feel good to me. Um, and no one's even said a word, right? And that that is those systems working for you. That's scary though, eh? When you think about it, like how 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 intuitive that most people are, but they don't realize it. You know, like they're not yeah. identifying that they're. You know, uh, I read a yeah. good book not too long ago. It's, it was called "Say Less, Get More." Oh yeah, and it's literally it's about negotiating and how a lot of times people they speak too much, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're mm -hmm. filling the room with words and trying to control the conversation, but when you stop, when you say less and you listen more, mm -hmm. um, it, it like, it, it tends to have a better, a more positive outcome for you because you're totally. actually, you come across as more cooperative, even though it's mm -hmm. like nothing you said, mm -hmm. you're just trying to be more cooperative. You're trying to, mm -hmm. you know, help allow the other person to feel like they've been heard you know, which yeah. is one of the biggest conf uh, confrontations. So sorry, yeah. I, I hijacked you there. Go ahead. No, 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 that's great. And, and, you know, I think that's a very valid point, you know, where brains are wired for connection, like we're a social species. So, you know, if, if somebody is coming off as difficult, like you probably need to ask, slow down the reaction time and wonder why, you know, like uh, this person has been navigating through their life in this particular way. And now they're intersecting with you and then maybe you operate in the exact same way. And now you're butting heads or you're like, this is not how I live my life at all. And now like, this is not how I get what I, my needs met. And you've got somebody coming towards you full force mm -hmm. that feels very foreign. So, you know, having a bit of compassion for people who are, who are difficult, I think goes a long way um, because they've, this is how they've learned to navigate their world and get their needs met. Right. Yeah. You know, okay. so, so having, having a little bit of that. So, you know, I had alluded to before that we were going to talk a little bit about how to navigate some of these personality styles. Yeah. And the one that people ask me about the most is the dominant personality style, because, you know, dominant doesn't have to be aggressive. It just, I mean, it just means like, Hey, I give off the vibe that I'm competent and I'm in charge and I know, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, for some people that's intimidating. Um, so what I explain to people is, you know, don't confuse that confidence for competence. You know, they might be putting on a show. So, mm -hmm. you know, understand that that big puffy chest, this could just be bravado and, you know, just, you don't have to like challenge that person because that will just puff their chest more. Right. Um, so I, I suggest like more of a step down approach. 
um, which doesn't mean kind of let someone run over you completely. It just means that if you if you're dealing with somebody who is dominant in personality, and that can sometimes fall on the you know jerky side of things, then what you want to do is is don't come head on, especially if you're also dominant, right? Someone's got to take turns being in charge. You want to clearly outline your boundaries, like what's not okay with you. And, you know, make sure you're seeing eye to eye on the goals. So if you're in a working environment and, you know, you have to work with somebody that you're like, oh my God, you know, this person like doesn't listen to any ideas or like doesn't care what anyone has to say, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you're finding some common ground and you're clearly identifying on what you're working towards and make it about the task and not about the person. Okay. Okay. Um, you want to be clear and you want to set deadlines for those people. And, and that could be like, even in your family, you know, if, if you've got a particularly challenging partner or child, maybe they're going through a thing, like you want to, you know, you don't want to come off overly dominant with a dominant personality, but you want to be clear, like, you can't run over me. Like these are, these are the boundaries that are being set. And, you know, I'm going to expect you to respect that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think that I find that a little bit helpful. I, I have a, our, our household is a household of at least three, at least three dominant personalities. And we're a family of five. So there's a lot of like jockeying around. And my poor husband is like an ass steady, 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 never yeah. gets into it with anybody. And it just sits back and is like, Oh my God, this house, because there's a lot of dominant personalities. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> so let me ask you a question there. I don't want to hijack this part of the conversation, sure, sure. but I'm curious about something. See, like I, I kind of see myself as a bit dominant and, mm -hmm. um, and I, I, like, I, I identify myself in many of the things in the four quadrants that you're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always try to, I try, I really work hard at trying to get better every day, like improve myself. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and one of the things I find is I have some trouble with personalities who, um, that there's a lack of motivation or focus mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. they're kind of like wishy-washy you know what i mean mm -hmm. and <laughs> yeah. and i and I, so what i'm literally doing melissa right now is i'm actually putting myself in the other person's shoes and identifying okay. myself as a jerk right because i know how <laughs> they probably see me right so yeah like being the jerk how yeah. would you tell what would you say to me that i should probably try to do better you know, with dealing with that type of personality, a person who's not motivated, very, yeah. okay, hum -de dum let's just, you know. yeah. So, so just from there, like, so if we were to go back to that wheel, the, because they irritate you so much, if you're probably higher on the dominant, right? Right. And then the opposite of that is that steady, just go along person, you know? Right. And, and I would say, you know, have a lot of compassion for that. Be patient, okay. slow down. Um, and then play to that person's strengths. Okay. You know? Okay. So find a way to tap into like, okay, I know this is going to take, you know, I, they're going to need to move at their own pace and I'm, I'm not going to be able to rush and I shouldn't expect that it's going to happen too sweet. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to ask them what kind of support that they need. And interestingly enough, I'm actually was about to talk about that steady personality. So you want to give them lots of reassurance that they're on the right track. Okay. Um, they're going to need more handholding than, than somebody who might be equally dominant to you. Who'd be like, yep, let's do it. Like, let's run with it. They're going to need a little bit more feedback and handholding. And so prepare yourself for that. Okay. Know it going in. Okay. Yeah. That's good. And, and no, that's good. They're, 
Yeah. And there's probably a reason, you know, why that could work to your benefit. This person being steady and being slower is if, if you have a tendency to be, you know, too quick or like decisive, they might be thinking about things that you haven't considered. Okay. And so flipping it to tap into them. Good. And Excellent. Make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. And I say that. Yeah. Okay. So that's the steady personality. The influential personality is, you know, if you're interacting with someone like that, you want to make sure that they are, you know, you're collaborative whenever possible. They don't like to be dictated to. Um, so the language that you're going to use with an, if someone who likes to use influence is going to make, make a big, uh, a big difference. So like an ask, don't tell, like don't volunteer, tell anybody to do anything if they're influential, they, they like the idea of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you want to make sure like they, that they're clear about like the details of things. Um, cause they will lose track of the details cause they're very much big picture. Okay. Um, and then the opposite of that on the wheel is conscientious. So very detail oriented. So, you know, in a, in a relationship, for example, if, if you know, the influential person's like, let's go to Fiji and the con their partner's conscientious, they might be like, well, how are we going to afford to go to Fiji, babe? You know, like <laughs> they'll bog that person down in the details and they're like, let's just go to Fiji. Yeah. Um, so, you know, understanding that and plan for that, they, they might need more, you know, they're more spontaneous. They're more like, yep, let's go. But they also get bored a lot easier and a lot okay. more quickly. Um, so understand that, you know, you want to, you want to play to their strengths. Um, and that can be in any professional relationship or personal relationship. Um, like for example, I plan trips in my family, you know, cause I love that stuff. And my husband will work, he's steady and conscientious and he'll worry about the details of how that gets paid for. Um, so sometimes that causes conflict because I'm like, you're ruining it. <laughs> you're ruining my dreaming, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> so, and I could turn and be like, what a jerk, right? Like he's, you know, but I understand that about him. So it's different. We're, I understand where we intersect. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, and then you want to be open-minded to some of the ideas that they bring because they're, they're probably going to be really creative, high energy and fun. And, you know, maybe that there's some value to that. And if, if they're being dismissed, that's, you know, they're not going to like that very much either. Okay, cool. So that's how you navigate that. Yeah. And then the last one is the conscientious personality type, which is like very detail oriented. Um, they're going to be very methodical and logistical um, when it comes to certain things, which doesn't mean that they're boring. It just means that they're like, they drill down to the details, you know, and they want to make sure all the bases are covered. Right. And you know, <clears throat> for some people that might make them the jerk because they're like, oh, you know, Joey just can't get anything done because Joey thinks of every possible reason why this solution won't work. Right. Okay. But that's that's not it. He's Joey's just really logical and playing through all the scenarios and trying to plan ahead. But you know, are those the people that you think quite often? You know, like you'll hear someone say, "I couldn't get any sleep last night." You know, I just yeah, like they're overthinking things. Totally. That personality. Because totally. I hear that, and and you know, my wife is like that to a certain degree, right? Because she'll think about things. And something will be happening in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm already thinking like, okay, I'm going to deal with this tomorrow or the day after. I've already got a plan in my head how I'm going to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact Mm -hmm. plan of how it's going to work out, but I know I'm going to figure it out. So I put my head on the, on the pillow and I'm like, within 10 (laughs) seconds, I'm like, yeah, 
And she's like, how? I just want to murder you. How are you sleeping right now? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And that is the difference, right? If if you're more on the dominant side of things, you're like, I got this. I'm not even going to stress. But if you're more on the conscientious, you're like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? I need a plan. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So understanding (laughs) that I think is very important. Um, and, and so those are like your personality factors, you know, and I mentioned earlier about personality disorders where there's more pathology um, involved. And, you know, in psychology, they're called the cluster B personalities. And that entails like narcissistic personality type, borderline personality, there's histrionic, and then there's antisocial. And, and you hear a lot of people say, um, you know, oh, that person's such a narcissist, right? And, you know, everybody, everybody knows a narcissist, or it's all about them. And, you know, those are people who are very difficult and probably earn the jerk title, right? Right, right. Those are like your classic, like, where are well, they usually on the spectrum? Like, are they- <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great question. So narcissists, in my opinion, are big D, little I. Okay. So a narcissist will like want it, they want it the way that they want it, and they'll use their influence to do it. So they'll like, you know, Manipulate. we're friends, they're charismatic, they're like, yeah, you know, all the while, like drawing you in they're so flying. that you do exactly what you want. Like they're, they're gonna, they're gonna use that to get what they want in the end. Yeah. That's um, and, scary. scary. Yeah. It is. I'm not a fan. I'm not a big fan of narcissists and uh, no, me neither. I, I know a few, but, and, and yeah, I, I mean, maybe there's more out there than I know, but I just like the typical definition of it is yeah. it's almost, um, yeah. Like you said, they're, they're almost like plotting. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, um, they're plotting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're scheming. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a scheme. Yeah. And that to yeah. me is just like, it's terrible. It's terrible oh, right. to be like scheming against other people to totally. use them against themselves, you know? Totally. So. But they'll come in under using their influence first. Okay. You know? So they'll be like, oh my God, what a great job on your project. And we'll like, they'll, or like, wow, you look fantastic today. Or like, I've never loved anybody more. And, and <laughs> like, they, they like draw you in and then there's a switch then. Right. And then they assert that dominance. Right. Right. Now there's, there's um, that, that's a common thing too, in some relationships, right? Like where there's a relationship breakdown. And yeah. uh, I mean, we've talked about some of these things like in, in, on the separation side, but basically mm-hmm. that's where someone's trying to break free of a toxic mm-hmm. relationship and yeah. the narcissist will flip those things to try to totally. keep the person in. Yeah. Oh, yep. I, so, so the minute, the minute that you're like, I'm out, then like, Oh, baby, I love you. Yes. You know, and I'm so sorry. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe it was me. Um, and then you you kind of get back into that loop. So I, I encourage people to really listen to your gut because I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that are like, I knew something or I felt a thing and I just ignored it. And I saw the red flags, but I dismissed them. Um, and so, you know, I always tell people tune into how you feel when you interact with someone. And I think it's Maya Angelou that had the quote about how um, people will always remember how you make them feel. Mm. Um, and again, those are your mirror neurons and your limbic system interacting. But, you know, when you meet someone new, listen to your gut because your gut, you know, nine times, I would say nine times out of 10 is, is trying to, you know, warn you off or trying to give you the, the green light that this is, this is good. Yeah. So, you know, 
when working with a narcissist or someone that you think might have some narcissistic tendencies, because let's face it, nobody's going to walk in and shake your hand and be like, hi, I'm Bob and I'm a narcissist. They're, they're just going <laughs> to, you just might wish they would. Feeling. Can I you give them, can we give them too. name tags or something? You know, <laughs> Wouldn't that be great. Cause then you would know. Um, but if you start to feel submissive in an interaction and, um, you know, this is, this is probably more anecdotal than, than like evidence-based, but right. what I've, what I've, I've been doing this for a long time, but, and what I hear across the board is like, I felt inferior. I felt submissive. I felt like I couldn't make choices or I couldn't stand up for myself. And, you know, if it's that imbalance in the relationship, you're probably interacting with someone who has those dominant tendencies, the dominant eye tendencies. Um, so you want to establish boundaries for yourself. You, you don't want to let your own ego send you into battle and this is something to really think about because you know we're all going to be like wait a minute you know i i don't like this and but you want to make sure you're engaging in something in a difficult conversations for the right reasons i don't think you want to get into a conversation um about being right just to be right right with somebody who has narcissistic tendencies you definitely don't want to call them a narcissist because that doesn't go well um and i should say like okay let them believe what they want you know like decide if this is the hill to die on right and if right. it isn't you know go like detach and go and and i i feel like having compassion for that type of person that this is how they've learned to navigate their world that just doesn't happen overnight and there's probably a myriad of reasons as to mm. why they've chosen to navigate the world this way Oh, that's yeah. such a big ask, Melissa. You know what I mean? I know like, it is. That, that, that you're talking about. Yeah. I, for, I think for some people, it's almost a complete change in mindset, like where you have to literally think, change how you think, because yeah. you know what I mean? Because I mean, I, I think a lot of times people, their personality, their, and how they, you know, defend themselves and how they approach themselves, it's all ingrained. And it's, it's, it's like, it it's like years of, of development. Yes. You know I mean? It's like, I appreciate yeah. everything you're saying. And I, and yeah. I, I applaud it because I think it's a wonderful thing that if you can yeah. have that um, ability to look at yourself and say, I want to do things different. And, mm -hmm. I, and you know, but yeah. it's so hard. <laughs> it is. But, but here's what I'm going to say about that is that it's not your job to change that person. It's right. your job to insulate yourself from the feelings that that person brings up for you and to recognize that this isn't about me. This is about that person. And I don't need to take that on. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I would say to people, I say to people all the time, if it doesn't apply, like, let it fly past you. Like, why do you care? Yes. You know? Yes. Just, yeah. You know, like, I, so, I, yeah, I agree. I think if somebody is in your inner circle, I think that's where it becomes hard is if somebody's in your inner circle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if they're outside of your inner circle, then it's like, you know what, you can control whether how much interaction you have with them, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like you said, is that I would probably say to myself, if I found someone was either a bully or a narcissist or somebody I just didn't enjoy being around, one mm -hmm. of my controls would be just not to be around that person and forget about them. Right. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. And yeah. if you can do that, amazing. Yep. But there are situations when you can't. And yeah. so I'm hopeful that, you know, through this conversation, you can think about like, okay, why is this person so difficult? Like, why is this person so challenging to me in particular? Yeah. You know, be curious. Like what, yeah, be curious about your own reactions because the only person you can control in any situation is yourself. Um, True. And, yeah. Okay. So a couple other things, and then I'm, I feel like I've been talking forever and I'm not sure how much time I actually had, but um, the idea of like a borderline personality and, and there's a lot of like, I hear borderline personality and narcissists like 
tossed around all the time. Okay. And a borderline personality, um, a red flag for that. Like if, if, if we go back to tuning into your gut, if you're walking away questioning, if you're a competent person, or if you've like understood something correctly and the one-offs are fine, but like consistently with this person, it, there's probably some borderline tendencies there that, it, that are being projected out onto you. Okay. So th that, that idea of like, I don't know why this person's so mad. It must've been something that I've done. Or like, uh, did I understand that wrong? Because like, wow, they're really upset. Like, is it me? Like, if you're walking around being like, is it me? Like, every time I interact with this person, I walk away feeling like I'm a dummy. Is it me? Is it me? Or like, what the heck? So, okay. yeah. So again, those are people who their biggest fear is being like abandoned. So they're going to create this push-pull dynamic to sort of test to see like the strength of relationships. Um, oh. Where the narcissist, for example, their biggest concern, like the underlying fear to that behavior is about being inferior. Oh, so wow. they want to puff their check so that nobody thinks that, that they're not who they yeah. are, who they say they are. Right. right. Um, and just to go back to that, like one of the strategies that I've been implementing for a while, when I deal with people who are in particular, that inferiority, that fear of inferiority, is I try to imagine them as being five. It's like this five-year-old guy really knew I could be sitting across from this grown person who is like really bothering me. And I shrink them down into their mic. I'm like, you're five. Okay. You're five. This is, I would never freak out a five-year-old for trying to. Oh my like, God. I would have a hard time not smiling at them. Right. I know. <laughs> Just like looking at them, thinking of the, visualizing them as a five-year-old. That would be, yeah. okay. I like it. I like it. Keep going. It, give you, it gives you that extra step for compassion. You know, okay. when five-year-olds throw a fit or when five-year-olds walk around thinking they're the bomb, like you don't correct them. You're like, okay, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. You know? So, okay. and it's, and it's the same, you know, with somebody who is creating that push-pull dynamic of like, I hate you, but I love you, but mm. I, I don't want to be with you, but don't leave me. You oh know? my God. So, yeah, oh my God. it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's like, see, you know, they'll like push, push, push until like you end the relationship and then be like, I knew you were going to break up with me the whole time. Right. And so then they get to be right about their concern or their biggest fear. Right. So they duplicate right. those relationships. So if the, the, basically the red flag to that is like, if you walk away thinking like, okay, like this must be me because every time I interact with this person, there's no blame on their part. They get really upset, like they they dominate through feeling. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that's a key indicator. Um, you want to build trust with those people. You want to validate their feelings. You don't have to agree with their experiences. Like you, just because you validate how someone feels doesn't mean that they're right. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. Um, but just what's true for that person, I think it's important to acknowledge that that's true for that person, and that tends to de-escalate conflict quickly. Because then that person feels like, okay, they understand what I'm saying. They may not agree with me, but at least they can appreciate what I'm saying. Okay. Which brings down some defensiveness. Um, and, you know, you take their experiences seriously and, you know, don't be super dismissive if you've got someone in your life that creates these push-pull experiences or very big feelings that are, you're coming at you quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to be like, oh, well, that, that never happened. Um, but it did, it did in their mind. So, you know, you, you want to validate that that's true for them. They're like, I can see you're really upset and that, you know, this is the reason why, um, and you don't really ever want to say, but, but is one of those things that tends to drive conflict. Okay. Um, and so you, you want to swap that out with the word and whenever you can. 
And maybe uh, minimize the word you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't don't do that. Be like, I'm noticing I, you know, keep it very neutral in general language. You definitely don't want to be accusatory if ever you're in a conflict, because that just puts people on their back foot right away. You know, you you connect and then before you redirect, trying to solve the problem. So, okay. Yeah. And then that is it. That is like a very condensed reason or, um, you know, kind of like a speed date version of how to work with a jerk. And, you know, if there's any takeaway, it's that it's, it really is about how you feel about the person and where they intersect with you and your personality and remaining in control of your own feelings puts you in a better position to interact with people who are challenging. Well, you know, I feel better. I feel better already, Melissa. I really do. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. And this is why I like, I like when I saw you present on this, I thought, you know, that really insightful to the point, powerful because relatable, right? The stuff that you're talking about. Um, and I, I truly believe that like this podcast is going to help people. I do. You know, I think if they listen, so. if they listen hard to what it mm-hmm. is you're talking about and employ mm-hmm. some of those tactics in their lives, I know it'll improve their relationships. You know, I really yeah, do. I- I definitely hope so. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you again. So let's tell, let's, we were just talking about this before we went, uh, we went, we started recording, but um, how do people get a hold of you? Okay. So I'm actually in the process of rebranding. And so my new, uh, my new practice name and website will be out probably in the beginning of March, but it's going to be called Sandbox Family Solutions. And there we, we encourage everybody to try to get in there and play nice and figure out how to how to cooperate and and move past some of their struggles and so um the uh website is come to the sandbox.ca and in the meantime if, if you go there and it's not up yet i can easily be found on clean break okay yes that's right and like all your your podcasts i think you've got three or four podcasts now with us so which is fantastic it just shows <laughs> like how much we like having you on the show um yeah all your stuff's on the uh, mycleanbreak.ca website so as well as some content that you've written which is like uh, pod, uh blog posts and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and what so let's just clarify a little bit somebody that's looking to work with you who who do you identify with like what's what is your target client you know when they're listening to this yeah so so like i said like the introduction explained i'm a child and family therapy practice so um there's a small team of us that that work with families who are you know just going through general issues with their kids maybe they're separating we, we do a lot of separation and divorce work we have a lot of high conflict work but that doesn't mean we only do that so you can you can work with us if you're just struggling with a change in your life if your children are struggling um, if your relationship is struggling and then you know if you need help with dispute resolution if you are going through a separation or divorce where there's children involved we do a lot of um, parenting agreements mediation and uh, parenting coordination um, okay. which is a post-settlement, um, a post-settlement process. Fantastic. Uh, like yeah, yeah. A lot of light, a lot of life transitions in there mm-hmm. in that conversation you just, or that statement you just made. So yeah. I think you've got a lot of uses for people, you know, that mm-hmm. are looking mm-hmm. predominantly for ways to communicate better, I think is the yeah. big thing, you know? Yeah. We, I, I really we, love what you do. I do. I'm a huge oh, fan, well, huge you. fan. Thank you. You're doing some great stuff. And I hope people connect with you that are really in need of your help. So uh, reach out to Melissa if you're looking for some of her services. 
And uh, if you're looking for any other professionals to get through to the other side of a transition, check out the mycleanbreak.ca website. We're on Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if we're going on to TikTok anytime soon, but you know what? <laughs> Who knows? I never say never. You, you never, never know what's going to happen in the future, right? Okay. Totally. Totally. All right, everybody. We're going to put a pin in it for, there to, for today. And we encourage everyone to take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you. And we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on life transitions. You can find more topics like today's and other great advice from life transition professionals at mycleanbreak.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. mycleanbreak.ca has clear and simple advice from trusted local professionals to help you get to the other side of any transition.